It's episode 105 of the Presentable Podcast, and I'm your host, Jeff Bean. Today on the program is calligrapher Aoi Yamaguchi. We're going to discuss how she balances the discipline of ancient tradition with the inventiveness of modern art. Aoi, thanks so much for being on the program. Oh, thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Oh, I am too. I think this, uh, <laughs> it's going to be a great conversation. Um, although, you know, we're, we're, we're taking on a challenge here of, of using the medium of podcasting to talk about the medium of calligraphy. Um, <laughs> and, and, you know, in some ways it's a shame because your work is, is frankly stunningly beautiful and so visual. Uh, so I thought I would start the podcast by telling uh, everybody who's listening right now to have a look at your work. Uh, so I found, I found this video on your website. Uh, I think you did it for, for a client, but it's you in this, uh, big room. It's only like a two minute video Mm -hmm. and I'll put a link to it at at the top of the show notes. So everybody should kind of pause and and go watch that video, uh, and then come right back and (laughs) listen to our conversation. (laughs) But, but the, the video is of you in this, this room on a piece of paper that is about the Mm -hmm. size of a room. And you're doing this just enormous piece of beautiful work as, as a remarkable performance. Uh, and, and it just struck me how, how much physicality there is to, uh, to your work. And I, I'm wondering if, if we could just start there, right? I, there's a lot of background okay. I want to get to, but like this idea of there's just this enormous piece of paper and you've got essentially a bucket of ink uh, and, what, <laughs> yeah. and, a, and a brush that looks like a, a broom. Uh, yeah. Tell me about that. It's amazing. Yeah. Uh, well, it's um, your yeah, live calligraphy performance is one of the uh, things I do. Um, and uh, well, it just naturally started um, uh, with me. Like I used to, well, calligraphy is something that I've been doing for a very long time uh, since when I was little, but um, I, after I came to, well, I came to the United States um, uh, to study abroad. And uh, after I came here, I realized how much um, energy and thought um, that goes, you know, into the artwork when I'm writing, you know, just sitting alone in my studio and making a piece of artwork and then look at the final piece on the wall. And uh, there's so much, you know, goes into that, uh, that physicality that you, you, uh, you said earlier. And I decided to just share everything um, as a performance, mm. uh, just the whole process of uh, me dipping the uh, big brush into the uh, ink and then uh, taking that just onto the paper, uh, you know, with my body, just everything uh, onto the paper and then look at the whole uh, as a trace of your thoughts, your presence, your energy, time, just uh, everything just goes onto the paper. And I think that the process is part of the art and the energy is part of the art. And uh, there's something about the Japanese calligraphy. It's so much about the present moment and there's no comanji in uh, the calligraphy world. So you can't take it back. And so you have to be in that uh, present moment to, um, to, express everything and also to experience everything. And um, yeah, so I started to do that. I used to dance uh, like hip hop and jazz when I was in high school. Mm. And uh, so music is definitely, you know, part of me. And so it was natural. It was natural for me to see um, when I'm writing calligraphy, uh, like writing letters, it has a natural rhythm. Um, 
when I write from stroke one to stroke two, stroke three, there's a certain rhythm for each character. Uh, it's very unique. And so I just kind of feel that rhythm with my body, just, just me as a whole, and uh, kind of like a dancing in a way with the brush um, and, you know, just feeling the energy and the meaning of that character I'm writing. It really, um, it really did come yeah. through in that video that there was a, there was an intensity and energy uh, behind what you were doing. Um, yeah. I want to I go back to something you, you sort of put in there in the middle that there's no command Z uh, yeah. when you do this, there's no undo. And that was, that really, yeah. that really struck me as well as, yeah. um, as so different from the kind of work that I do which is so yeah. terribly iterative, right? Like, and, and in many ways, wonderfully iterative where, where yeah. we'll, go, we'll go over and over and back up a little and back up and go forward. And like, uh, mm -hmm. I, I often find myself in, you know, when I'm doing something more technical or, or more visual, but on the screen, yeah. very caught up in, in that rhythm, but it's, but it's very much like I can try anything cause I can always go back a step and you don't have that, yeah. do you? No. <laughs> yeah, you need to be uh, just prepared. You have to be able to um, like envision, you know, where to start and where to end. Uh, you just kind of visualize and rehearse in your mind uh, before you go into the paper because you have one blank canvas in front of you. And then, you know, whatever you do, just you get the one chance just one time. <laughs> uh, I mean, of course, you can, you know, spread a big sheet of paper again and then try many times, of course. But um, sometimes, you know, you got to feel, uh, you have the right energy for that certain time and it's not going to last forever. So you just have to, you know, be really present. That's so interesting. Yeah. That's so interesting. And like, it's a very different and, and in many ways, a little, uh, intimidating, I find it Yeah. like this yeah. idea of like, uh, of, of, uh, oh my God, I'm going to screw it up. <laughs> and maybe that's where the energy comes from, right? This like, um, yeah. I don't know. I think, yeah, I think you kind of have to enjoy that and kind of be open to uh, about that. You know, you might make a mistake, uh, but you just kind of have to allow yourself, even though I'm a little bit more of a perfectionist, but like you, it takes courage to allow yourself and leave your space uh, to play, you know, into like some mishappening or um, like some happening that you didn't intend to do uh, but you know enjoy that as part of the art and yeah yeah no that 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 makes sense you're also stepping up to that paper with thousands probably tens of thousands of hours of practice yeah. and and yeah. thousands and thousands <laughs> of sheets of paper that came before um yes so maybe maybe we could take a step back into your you know how you got started and where this all came from yeah. um and it's my understanding that like at the very earliest age of, of going to school, mm -hmm. you're already practicing calligraphy in Japan. Is that correct? Yes. Um, yeah, I started calligraphy um, when I was six years old. My, uh, my mother, uh, she also uh, practiced calligraphy and she's at the master level now. Uh, but when I turned six years old and started to go to elementary school, she took me to the uh, calligraphy school. Uh, I lived in a very small town in Hokkaido, and um, in my town, there was a, a calligraphy uh, school. It's like a clan school that you go to after your um, after the school. Yeah. Uh, 
Yeah. And uh, yeah, so it was uh, run by the calligraphy masters. It was an old couple, Zuiho um, Sato and uh, Kaho Sato uh, Sensei. And they uh, are just um, very amazing teachers, masters. They're not only masters for uh, calligraphy, but for me, masters for uh, really life itself. I learned so much from them, um, not only calligraphy, but like, you know, just life in general. Um, but yeah, so I started that. And in Japan, calligraphy is uh, well part of the um, school curriculum. So uh, it's mandatory for uh, ele- from elementary school to junior high school. We have a calligraphy class. Hmm. Um, and yeah, all the students have to hold a brush and then, you know, sit in the classroom and uh, you have to practice calligraphy for like uh, different um, characters will be given to you and then you have to practice. Um, and also you have this. Uh, uh, calligraphy schools run by these different masters uh, throughout Japan, and there is a system almost like a, a you know, judo or karate in a uh, way. Yeah. Like you, uh, yeah. So every month you will be given um, a one set of characters to work on, and the every month you practice that um, at your uh, calligraphy school, and then at the end of the month you will turn in the best work that you you did for the month and then all the other masters and juries will uh you know look at your work and evaluate and then if you pass that month you will go like one rank higher so they're like starting from q to done and so there are like seven uh q uh, different levels and then after that there will be different seven or more different uh ranks above that in the done level and Beyond that, there will be a Jun Shihan and Shihan. So there's like a pre-master level and then master level. And yeah, so there are like so many different ranks that you can go through. And you'll start from the very bottom and uh, you can go see how high you can get uh, just as long as you continue to study. I'm just curious. Uh, you, you said you started at six, and uh, yeah. and all the kids started in school. But how how common what common was it among your peers uh, to mm. progress through the levels and to do it after school and thing like that? Yeah, it's like a, you know uh, learning piano. So uh-huh. it's totally up, yeah, it's totally up to you. Um, you know, if your um, parents you know wanted you to go to calligraphy school, you know. And if you're interested in, you do. So it's not like it's uh, uh, after school calligraphy schools are not like mandatory for everybody. And just my mom was very enthusiastic about calligraphy. So I, sure. she just took me there. And yeah, and I, I got into it really quickly. I always loved writing and drawing since when I was little. So I just really enjoyed um, yeah going there and then just seeing my master's works they're just so beautiful and immaculate and I just wanted to get closer to to him and uh, be able to write in a way that he and uh, he and my uh, female master also write and so as a child did you get all the way through the ranks <laughs> uh yeah I did I did yeah I when I was 14 I um I received the um title well you submit uh, different works to uh, competitions as well mm-hmm. and um uh so yeah i received the title well let me uh, phrase it differently so uh so i achieved the highest uh ranks that you can get uh for six years in a row and 
So uh, after that, I received the title of the uh, Master uh, of Calligraphy student when I was uh, 14 years old. Impressive. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) And and then uh, from there, uh, sort of not just uh, the craft, but turning it into uh, a life, into a a profession as well. Yeah. Talk about that transition, and then and then what brought you to the United States over over time? Um, yeah, I so yeah after I uh, received the um, title of the master calligraphy student, and um, uh, I also received this uh, amazing award for from a competition, um, the first prize from the uh, the Minister of Education, and uh, for my work that I submitted. And I was invited to uh, participate in this um, uh, calligraphy exchange program uh, with China. And uh, so I participated and went to China and uh, attended in, attended to uh, calligraphy sessions with the local calligraphy students there. And um, I was very interested in um, foreign cultures and be, I was just fascinated, like through that experience, I was very fascinated to uh, be able to communicate with um, other people uh, from different culture, from different country, uh, beyond the language barrier. Uh, I practiced Chinese a little bit, you know, beforehand, but of course I couldn't, you know, have a normal conversation. But through the uh, calligraphy exchange um, with the local students there, uh, I felt that we were able to connect and we exchanged letters, you know, uh, afterwards, tried to write them in English. And uh, that really opened up my uh, my eyes. I thought, wow, art can really connect people beyond language and beyond cultures. And um, I thought that's, that's something that I wanted to do, you know, for my life, to bridge cultures. Um, mm. Yeah. So um, I, and I couldn't find any universities I I wanted to go in Japan at the time. I was, uh, yeah, I decided to um, just step out of Japan. And I told my parents I want to study abroad. And uh, so I looked for college and, um, yeah, I decided to uh, come to the U.S. to study for my university education. Uh, so from Japan to China to California, that must have been yeah. uh, quite, <laughs> quite, a, quite a change. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, quite a change. Yeah, California was something, um, it was just um, a college I chose was in California, and I didn't know anything about United States um, before. I just came here with other uh, international students. And um, yeah, this, there was a lot of you know difficulties with uh, language. I started to study English when I was 12 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, but, you know, of course, there's so many... Uh, Slang, and you know, uh, it was not easy to adopt um, here. But I try to, you know, enjoy that as a challenge for my for my life. And um, yeah, and when I came to uh, when I came to the U.S., my focus on uh, in studies was the uh, music industry and uh, art and entertainment management. That's what I uh, initially studied in college. And then eventually I changed my major to humanities and cross-cultural studies. Mm. And uh, also uh, I minored in uh, visual communication design. So I went through like different studies throughout my university 
uh, time. Yeah, after I graduated, I um, I thought like, where, uh, you know, what do I want to do with my life? Where do I want to go, like for my career? And um, yeah, at that time, I really took time to uh, think about it. I worked at a different um, uh, art galleries in San Francisco, and I was doing different types of, I also did an internship at um, music label as well, the record label. But eventually, um, I realized that calligraphy was something that I should choose. I thought about my master's award when I made a phone call to my master to let him know that I received this um, prestigious award from uh, Ministry of Education. My master told me that, um, Aoi, if, uh, if you received that award, that means that um, you, it's telling you to continue. It's telling you that you must continue to practice calligraphy. And that word kind of came back into my mind. And I thought, um, yeah, calligraphy was something that I just loved doing. And I was doing a lot of different art shows and, uh, you know, collaborating with uh, different artists and doing my performances, like even during the uh, college education. But I thought that is something that I feel the most passionate. And I asked myself, what is, what is it that only I can do and nobody else can? And calligraphy was uh, the answer for me. Oh, that's a powerful story. That's, that's great to be able to try to find that clarity, especially so like early, you know, in your career and things like that. I'm going to take a quick break. We'll come back. I've got a bunch more questions. This episode of Presentable is brought to you by Pingdom. While you've been listening to this podcast, how would you know if your website had gone down? Would you know if your customers couldn't click the buy now button or access any of your content? You might stumble across the problem by luck, but that's no good. You totally need a system. You need something to tell you when everything is running smoothly on your site and more importantly, when it's not. You need Pingdom. Pingdom detects around 13 million outages every month. And that's more than 400,000 outages every single day. Pingdom helps you keep your sites and the sites that you love online. It doesn't matter if you're a startup or a Fortune 500 company. You need alerts without uh, uh, about any critical website issue. They'll let you customize how you're alerted depending on the severity of the outage. Plus, they'll track and analyze your website's load time so you can see what's affecting the user experience. If you have a site of any size, you need Pingdom. And Pingdom has a no-fuss approach to getting started. All they need is your URL uh, so that you can monitor it and they'll take care of the rest. Go to pingdom.com slash relay FM right now. That's pingdom.com slash relay FM. And you get a 30 day free trial with no credit card required. And then when you do sign up, use the code presentable at checkout and they'll take 30% off your first invoice. Thanks to Pingdom from SolarWinds for their support of this show and relay FM. All right. So uh, I'd love to know more about how you approach the, the history and tradition of Japanese calligraphy and, and really like how you think about your tools and your process. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Um, yeah, so Japanese calligraphy, um, uh, so the history of calligraphy, it uh, originated from China. Uh, Chinese calligraphy has um, 4, 000, more than 4,000 years in history. And Japanese writing system is based on Chinese calligraphy. So we have kanji and hiragana and katakana, three sure. types of different yeah, um, characters, the right um, alphabets to 
work with. And so, uh, so Japanese calligraphy itself has about uh, more, more than 1700 in history now. And so, yeah, it was, um, the, we use brushes historically, uh, traditionally, uh, and use, um, Japanese uh, calligraphy paper. Uh, it's called gasenshi. Uh, it's different from a uh, Western type of uh, paper. So it's more, um, uh, it's more delicate and it works really well with uh, uh, calligraphy ink. Uh, it's called sumi ink. So we use sumi ink and use uh, gasenshi and use brush. And uh, for sumi, we have the liquid type uh, and also the um, solid stick type. So we grind the sumi ink on the uh, inkwell. Uh, normally it's ceramic or stone. Mm. Um, and yeah, you make the sumi ink in the inkwell. And then uh, with brushes, we have so many different types of brushes uh, from like the uh, horse hair to sheep hair to even some rabbit hair or a weasel, monkey or a peacock or uh, some, some uh, types of uh, brushes slash pen is made of bamboo as well uh, so yeah there's yeah and from very tiny brushes to like really big uh, brushes like the size of broom <laughs> like you saw in the video right right sorry did you did you say monkey hair oh yeah yeah they're monkey <laughs> hair too <laughs> <laughs> yeah they're just yeah so many different types of um, hair for the brush and uh, each um, hair has its own characteristics so depending on what kind of you know strokes the style of writing you're you're trying to uh you know create you wisely choose the different type of uh brushes and uh in general horse hair is much harder in course so it's good for uh regular script which requires like you know harder um harder brush mm. and with sheep hair you can it's good for like semi-cursive or cursive writing uh, which requires more fluidity in the the whole uh, writing style in the movement yeah and sheep hair is very hard to use and normally um it's uh it takes about uh more than 10 years to be able to start using sheep hair brush and, and then you start with a horsehair brush. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's a <laughs> t- ten years to to progress one level in brushes. I would imagine that's. A, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I I thought it was really interesting. You're talking about the the ink itself and preparing the ink as part of the the overall process, almost like a a mm-hmm. ritual before the marks are being made. So you have, yeah. um, and you were describing this uh, a little bit. Um, and tell me more about this. It's it's like a brick or like a block of ink in a solid yeah. form. Uh, and, uh, yeah. What's that ritual like? Yeah. So the solid, um, solid type of ink, uh, sticks are made of, um, the charcoal, uh, soot, uh, burning vegetable oil traditionally, uh, and mixed with animal glue. Um, and, uh, so this stick, you, um, take, you, uh, take, how do I say it? Like, so you have a, um, stone, made uh, inkwell uh, and you pour a small uh, drip of water onto the inkwell and then you take the um, ink stick and then slowly grind on the inkwell just go back and forth back and forth uh, slowly and as you go um, as you go uh, you start to you know smell 
the uh, fragrance of the swimming, uh, which I love. Uh, so you kind of, you know, enjoy that as part of the ritual and you take that uh, time to kind of calm your mind and uh, body while you uh, grind the swimmy to prepare your mind before you start to take this, um, you know, fresh, um, clean brush uh, into the swim ink. Amazing. So it's almost like a, yeah, it's almost like a meditation in a way. Yeah. It, it sounds yeah. like it. It sounds like um, the preparation of the tools is as much part of the art as the finished project. Yeah, definitely. Huh. And then there's the, uh, the signature as well, the red, the red mark um, as mm -hmm. part of the processes as well. Yeah. 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 Uh, those are uh, called kain um, in Japanese. It's, uh, it's basically your name. And uh, each calligrapher, um, if you wish, you have your own calligrapher name. It's like a pseudo name. Um, so it doesn't have to be your original name. Like your DJ name. With... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like your DJ name. <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, uh, well, I work with my own name, my original name that was given my by my parents. But uh, you can have the uh, ink, uh, well, the seal making master's to make this um, seal for you. And once you complete your work, uh, you take that um, seal uh, into this red uh, ink paste and uh, you just gently place it onto the paper. And so that is like a signature right. um, for the work, yeah. Yeah, nice. Um, I would love uh, to talk just a little bit about some of the pieces of, of work that you've done. Uh, I saw a um, I saw you talking about a video of you talking about your your process a little bit and some of the, some of the characters that you've done um, and taking like from the kanji uh, mm -hmm. and it was just amazing uh, and it reminded me a little bit, frankly, of of some of the work that I've seen of great typographers as well, where. Mm -hmm the for example i saw you do one on the moon uh and one on ocean where you had many different versions that expressed many different emotions based on uh how the character was drawn yeah you know it's interesting uh the the work in my background with with typography and fonts and and people would come up to me and and say like you know i there's just tens of thousands of fonts. Why, why do we have so many fonts in the world? And I would say, you know, <laughs> why, why do we have so much clothing? Why do we have so many different wines, right? There's just so yeah. much expression that could come with the, yeah. essentially the clothing that you put on the words, right? That you're, and, and how much meaning that brings. And I saw that in your work too. Yeah. Tell me a little bit about that. Yeah. I, um, when I, uh, when I, after I choose a certain character to work with, um, I brainstorm and try to kind of visualize what, uh, well, let's say if it's the ocean, then what kind of ocean that you're trying to express? Like what kind of ocean do I want to, you know, express this time for this piece? Uh, is it a uh, raging, stormy, you know, dark ocean? Or is it like a very calm and peaceful, you know, ocean that you can see like maybe reflection of the moon, you know, on the surface? Or maybe is it like really, you know, glittering, shiny, like happy ocean, you know, for the summertime? Um, or, you know, it depends on that, the expression changes dramatically, right? So I, you would want to feel that from visually in the character. So I explore um, from there, kind of uh, brainstorm and visualize um, 
that kind of scenery in my head um, from that work. And then uh, just kind of sketch out and see, like, uh, try to visualize in what, in what form, you know, how should I uh, write? How can I write to express that, um, the peaceful ocean or uh, exciting ocean or uh, raging ocean? Yeah. yeah. And based on that, you know, the choice of Sumi ink or the brush change as well, you might need, you know, very small brush to be able to write this like really skinny line, uh, you know, that dances like the, the wind, um, or you might need a very uh, big and hard brush to write this like a really, you know, energetic and raging uh, stormy ocean. Um, and you might need a dark, bold ink, you know, to express that energy. So um, yeah, to create one, you know, certain, to draw it out that, scenery or imagery in your head through the the calligraphy yeah the material you work with also changes as well mm. yeah so there are yeah many expressions and tools that you can explore to achieve that yeah yeah i bet um, um as we're talking i keep thinking about this uh quote i saw once from ira glass you know the um uh, he's a, a radio announcer on NPR uh, for a show called This American Life. And he, okay. I, I saw this, uh, or read this interview with him where he was talking about the gap between our taste that we have, like how, how we perceive the world and what we think is good, and, mm-hmm. and the gap between that and our abilities as being kind of the mm. most frustrating part of the creative process, right? Because you can see what yeah. you like. And you know yeah. what you want to do and yeah. you can't make your hands do it, right? Or you can't, you can't get the words yeah. out in the right order to get a story that you love or whatever your medium. Uh, right. And he yeah. said, like, the only way through is volume. Mm-hmm. Just make stuff, make stuff, make stuff. And, like, and, yeah. and, and that's the only way to shut off that part of your brain that says, no, it's crap, it's crap. <laughs> And, and, you know, as I hear you talking about like, well, I did, uh-huh. you know, nine years before I could get to the next brush and I went through seven levels of this and then seven levels of that. And like the journey yeah. is just like unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. And there just must have been so much repetition to get to where you finally are. Yeah. Yeah. It's, uh, I, I think that quote is an amazing lead. I mean, true. I definitely, um, uh, feel the exactly same way about that repetition, right? Uh, you have to, there's no end to it, really. It's totally up to you, you know? Yeah. Um, I'm yeah. never satisfied with my work. I feel like I can, you know, I can do always better or I feel like I should have done this or I could have done this um, or maybe I should try it this way. Uh, you know, it could be just endless and, you know, it's a question where to put an end. Um and when is it the end, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, uh, to complete one piece of artwork, I practice and I just uh, go through like hundreds of uh, sheets of paper. Uh, I write thousands of times to um, really, uh, you know, fill that character out and just kind of to, until my body memorizes that rhythm so mm. that it just comes naturally from me and not to even think about the whole rhythm. Like, you know, if it's a dance, you know, uh, the next step comes naturally, not even thinking about like what comes next. Uh, same thing as the music too, you know, what, what what's the note, you know, after this note, 
no, like you don't even have to think about that. It just kind of naturally comes, you know, from you. So until you really get to that stage, um, uh, you just really have to like practice many, 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 many times. And uh, all my masters say the same, uh, the same thing too. Uh, all the masters are struggling too, to, you know, to get to that uh, work that, you know, you feel satisfied with. Um, a never-ending yeah. journey, it sounds like. Yeah, never-ending. <laughs> it's a, it's yeah, it's a lifelong journey. In fact, uh, yeah, in Japan, there are uh, there are people who started like they never picked up a calligraphy brush ever, uh, you know, since the junior high school or something, and they start from like ninety-seven years old, um, mm. start practicing that. And uh, yeah, this person uh, received an amazing award uh, for his work. I've seen that in the newspaper before so yeah it's never too late to start and yeah <laughs> that's great that's wonderful well the work is yeah. beautiful uh i'm going to encourage everybody who's listening to spend some time uh having a look at the, the work you've done um uh where should we send people to learn more about you uh yeah you can see my uh, my work on my website aoiamaguchi.com and i'm often on instagram yeah, it, uh, my handle is Aoi, A-O-I underscore G-M. Uh, so, yeah, if you're interested, please take a look and follow me. <laughs> yeah. Fantastic. Yeah. I will put links to that in the show notes along with that video that I hope everybody watches because it's just really very powerful. Aoi, thanks so much for being on the program. It was a wonderful conversation. Thank you so much. And that's another episode of Presentable. Hey, got any questions? You can email us at hello at presentable.fm or get in touch via Twitter by following Presentable FM. We hope you've really enjoyed the show. And if you do, could you take a moment and give us a rating on iTunes? It really helps and we'd really appreciate it. Thanks for listening. And until next time, I'm Jeffrey Veen and this was Presentable. Presentable.